following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stank! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 90 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. And this is Stank. And this is the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. We come to you every Monday with uh, brand new episodes for free wherever you get your podcast from and uh hey if you can't get enough of myself and david well uh good news for you we have a patreon as well if you head over to patreon.com forward slash pwt cast uh you can sign up there's four different tiers uh for as low as five bucks you get an additional podcast uh in the form of a weekly movie review called scrump and stang's family video uh david and i have reviewed such movies uh, as the shawshank redemption fargo uh, the Truman Show last week, and this week we're actually going to be having a free edition. Uh, well, if you are a member of the Patreon, it'll drop for you guys uh, Wednesday, so sneak peek before everybody else. But for the rest of you guys who aren't uh, or have maybe been on the fence and thinking about subscribing to the Patreon, uh, it'll drop this Friday. Uh, we're going to have past guest, friend of the show, Juan David, talking about the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, in preparation for this week's release of the brand new Mortal Kombat movie, which you'll hear us talk about, uh, you know, generally being excited for it um, because it is a big thing. Um, Dave, how are you doing on this uh, wonderful Sunday, though? Oh, I'm doing well. We just came back from a, a very first softball tournament for this season. And it was cold, but the sun was bearing down on us. So I have an almost crimson mask of sunburn on my face, but uh, hopefully that settles into a nice tan. But uh, other than that, it's been a, it's been a pretty good weekend. How about you? Uh, you know, what? I went and got some ramen earlier, uh, which is typically now how I spend my Sundays. Like I was thinking about it and for the most part, because uh, where I go get ramen, my sister and her kids, they live right there. So, but they tend to be busy most Sundays like normal. So I'll drive over there with the excuse in my head of like, let me go see my nephews. But then just wind up usually getting ramen, uh, which is fine. You know, shout out ramen. I love me some ramen. But no, I finally, as I mentioned to you earlier in this week, or earlier this week, just I've been casually bringing it up. I finally finished once and for all uh, HBO's True Blood, uh, which I was surprised to find out they're apparently rebooting it. Um, very odd, considering it just ended a few years ago. But uh, I finally, uh, finally finished it. Um, I'm not gonna lie; it did at certain points feel more so like a uh, homework assignment. Uh, specifically, this last season. This last season was it was not the best. It was not. Yeah, compared to the rest, yeah. Yeah, the the other ones. Oh, you've seen you, you you watch all of them as well. Oh yes, yeah. My wife, and pretty much anything sexy vampire, my wife's all in on. So that means I'm all in on too. So yeah, yeah we were big uh, True Blood fans. A lot of famous people in there, um, but it didn't end. You know, this seems to be a trend with HBO shows. The end, the last season tend to be stinkers sometimes. Yeah, and I was particularly bummed because so i'd seen everything up until season four and then i mean regardless I, I still went through every other season and watched everything and i don't know something about this last season kind of just felt like uh um contractually obligated like it all just kind of felt very like phoned in and uh you know they put a nice neat little bow on everything but it almost it almost just felt a little forced if that makes any sense um I don't know, just one man's opinions. Uh, but yeah, I finally finished that, and 
now I'm I'm wondering what I'm gonna binge next. That's always you know my next question is like, all right, what do I start watching next? I've been thinking Sopranos, maybe. I don't oh, know. please stop watching Sopranos. It's great. Yeah, see, everyone's always talked about it. Again, just one of those shows where because everyone talks about it, I, I feel like I've already watched it. Um, but I mean, as much as HBO usually misses, uh, you know, with the last seasons of shows, I've heard nothing but great things. So, hey, who knows? Maybe there'll be some Soprano talk on here. Uh, but it, again, if you've uh, if you're a new listener, by the way, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to some of our past episodes. Uh, we have episodes of people such as uh, the Young Bucks, Matt Cardona, um, Cole Cabana, Vicky Guerrero, uh, Killer Cross, Kylie Ray, uh, even Kevin Smith. Uh, so go back and listen to some of those. But you'll know that we the one thing we love to talk about here uh, specifically is comic book movies. Um, earlier in the week, there was uh, a fun little tidbit, fun bit of news uh, confirmed by none other than uh, Alfred Molina. Um, it's been rumored for a while now that this next Spider-Man movie is going to be a multiverse crossover of sorts, uh, introducing uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's uh, past Spider-Man and uh you know it was sort of the worst kept secret as far as like alfred molina being on set and he went ahead and confirmed that he was doing press for for something i forget what it was and he was just like yeah like i'm in it and he the interesting bit is he is straight up playing uh doc ock from the last time that we saw him in in sam raimi's spider-man 2 uh very interesting the implications that what this means as far as uh you know when dave and i talked about uh wandavision we were all expecting some sort of multiverse shenanigans and uh never really came to fruition uh but it definitely seems like it's coming to come into life with spider-man uh how, dave how do, you, how do you feel about alfred Molina coming back into the fold i mean i'm i'm pretty excited i, I gotta tell you like uh up until watching Spider-Man 2 when it came out, I was not a big fan of him as the choice. But watching it, he really was a great Doc Ock. And uh, uh, he's actually like one of the reasons why you know Spider-Man 2 is so revered. And for a lot of people, it's the best comic book movie anyone's ever seen. So um, it's really cool. It's really cool to – I mean – Listen, if he's going to be in a Spider-Man movie, and along with Jamie Foxx, we kind of, you know, we read the tea leaves and we knew it was going to happen anyways. But it's always good to get a, a little bit of a confirmation. And I'm really excited to see how they, they're able to cram all this multiverse stuff into the Spider-Man. But um, it's really cool. And it, it really brings us hope that maybe, um, and I've heard talks of this too, that, that maybe somehow the Fox x-men movies will be canon somewhere in the universe um so yeah it's, it's pretty cool and, and it'll be interesting to see how it develops yeah i'm like this movie this spider-man movie like i i love spider-man um tom holland spider-man specifically has been one of my favorite characters that we've seen in the mcu and um yeah, like, like Jamie Foxx is supposed to be in this. Uh, you know, there's rumors of Willem Dafoe showing up as the Green Goblin. Like, it's just they're just going for it. You know, like at this point, they are just doing whatever they can. They're getting pretty ambitious. Uh, like it, it almost feels like an Avengers movie. And the, the one thing I yeah. do like about these movies now it's that they're at the point where they can do very just outwardly ambitious things like this you know they can just hey 
we're you know we're bringing back all these different spider-man and there's enough faith in them that they could do it you know yeah. like er, there was earlier in the years there was the, the earlier in the year there was rumor of um this next flash movie being a flashpoint movie and they would bring in and incorporate all these different batman um and at first it was like cool but then y- you kind of get a little behind the scenes peek at like dc does not know what they're doing like they right. for all intents and purposes have have no clue what it is that they're doing with their universe and then you have uh you know you just you have like past uh what's the you have michael keaton who's like yeah i've not actually committed uh so sorry and then you know there's other batman from past that like i believe it was like val kilmer and um george clooney who are just like yeah we've not heard of anything um so you know who knows what's going on with that but the spider-man movie it it seems to be like it's going to be pretty fucking cool when it does come out um again marvel doesn't miss and specifically though uh marvel doesn't miss with this week's episode of the falcon and winter soldier um you know I'll, i'll just go ahead i loved it like um just from beginning to end it was it was a longer episode which i love i love these long hour-long episodes uh wish all those marvel shows are you know that length um if we're lucky the loki ones will be you know just because i i prefer that that length for for a tv show but no it was awesome uh julia julia louis dreyfus uh showing up as madam hydra that was pretty fun um i did also read like rumors of uh her character being in this black widow movie which would kind of explain uh why she she seemingly just shows up as if we're supposed to know who she is you know uh like i didn't know if it was just like a character trait of hers that like oh you know who i am because i oh go ahead oh no no, because i just i was just like for a quick second i was like wait no, I'm like, we haven't met Julia Lee Dreyfus. Like, I was just like, oh, it's fun to see her again. But then again, very quickly, was like, wait, 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 wait. We have not met Julia Louis Dreyfus at all. Um, but no, what were you going to say, Dave? Well, I was just going to say, um, specifically with um, like WandaVision and now this show, and I guess Loki, I think they're kind of expecting viewers to have a fairly baseline knowledge of some of the deeper roster that they have, uh, you know, we're talking about Isaiah Bradley and, you know, John Walker and, you know, and then we're supposed to kind of understand the history of Falcon and winter soldier, you know, Bucky Barnes. And we, we got a little bit of that in the MCU, but like, we're really kind of delving deep into some of the DNA of captain America's story. So, um, it's fun. The, the other thing too, is especially it's really started with WandaVision. Everyone's looking for Easter eggs. And what does this mean? And who is that? Who's the power broker? And, you know, it's really nice that they're not just giving you exposition to who someone is. And, and you could like, you know, take the name and look it up and say, Hey, what, what type of person is this in the, in the wider Marvel universe? So, uh, you know, cool stuff like this allows you to do a little bit of homework without spoon feeding you. And, uh, it also, once you realize who she is, then you're like, Oh, how does she fit into the larger picture? Um, and it allows you to do some fun speculation. I think that's a really cool approach. Um, and I think that's something like DC's really worried about, 
Um, you know, I, I always say that they were really worried about like, how are we going to get Wonder Woman to work on screen? And they're just worried that maybe the fans are too dumb to get it. And I'm really glad that Marvel takes the opposite approach. They say they're fans of ours for a reason. Uh, they know what they like. And if they got to do a little homework, they don't mind doing it. Oh no, for sure. Like it's, it's almost at the point now where Marvel's like, Hey, if like, you need to know, like you need to know this stuff. Otherwise, like, that, that's yeah. on you you know they've sort of trained a generation in the last 10 years of fans to like have to do their homework and read and stuff and l- listen i get it nobody wants to go into like a movie and or, or, and just be lost completely uh which again is not at all what like marvel does you know the the beauty of it is you for the most part there are movies that you can just go into um you know like you might be a little bit confused if you go into like infinity war Let's say right. Infinity War or Endgame. If you go into either of those two, just and listen, I know people who have, you know, I have friends who have gone into those movies just stone cold, didn't know anything, watch them, and then come out and they're like, okay, cool. Now I want to go back and rewatch all the other ones, um, which which is great, which is fine. But also, like, you're rewarded at that point for having seen the last twenty films. You know, like you're rewarded for, like remembering all those little like inside jokes and things like that and i think that's the fun of it you know like i've been i literally remember myself and my cousin being up watching these videos of like uh if you look in the background of iron man one you see captain america's shield and we're just like dude do you think they would ever no they would they would never nah they're never gonna bring in captain america you know could they really do the avengers like you know, like watching those videos, like just straight up, they're like, we're getting as we're pulling characters out of left field that you didn't even, you've never even heard of, um, which is fun. And, it, and it's also perfect for uniquely perfect for this episodic, you know, format where they'll drop something like this and then you'll be like, I got to look up who this lady is. And then now you've set the table for next week and you're like, all right, I'm really prepared. Now I have a deeper understanding. I can't wait to see what happens, you know, in the finale. And so, um, it's kind of like a fun version of homework. So, yeah, uh, they're they're And they're also stuff like this really, I think does a good job of, uh, getting you invested because now you've done the legwork and now you're like, well, now I want to see how this is borne out. So, they're very smart. Those guys at the Marvel Brain Trust know what they're doing. Yeah, uh, you know, hot take. Uh, Kevin Feige <laughs> and the boys know what they're doing. Yeah, um, got a good idea. Really quickly, I you know we we didn't even I didn't even mention to about I didn't even mention this to you before we started recording. Um, UFO videos, like the government has been confirming a lot of like alien activity and stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of that. Like it's. I did. It's weird. They, they've been doing it for the last couple of years now. And surprising, like everyone always said, why would the government keep any of the secret? And like the answer always is they don't want to create mass hysteria. But it, we're at this weird point in time now where nobody cares about anything. So they can say, yeah, we got. Yeah, this is this is UFOs. We don't know what the hell it is. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's super weird. Like, so odd. Yeah, I've been seeing like Joe Rogan post. Like he was posting these things, and 
you know, it's almost, and you know what? He also posted today, uh, kind of getting off track a little bit, but don't worry, we'll, we'll get to the Eric Bischoff interview. Yeah, um, the main event. He posted that, like, there's this lab that's working on human slash, half human slash monkey embryos, um, which, is, which is like, listen, every, like, you know, everyone, know, for the most part, most people know who Alex Jones is. You know, he's crazy conspiracy theory guy, always saying these, you know, out of left field, like just batshit crazy things. A lot of stuff that this guy's been saying, um, for the this guy that this guy's been screaming about for the past few years is starting to come to light. So that's one of those scary things where it's just like, Oh, what else was he right about? You know, like it's just I don't know, man, we're in we're such a weird place right now where like uh, we're getting multi, you know, we're getting uh, multiverse Spider-Man announced the same week that we're getting like UFO confirmation. It's just, it's a weird world that we live in, Dave. It's yeah, it definitely is. And Eric Bischoff, if you're listening to the podcast, we're not crazy conspiracy people. It's just, there, there has been weird news coming out. It's so strange. And uh, it is, it is weird that we're not getting as much, I don't want to say public outcry, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have dedicated their entire lives to, uh, the search and pursuit of evidence of extraterrestrial life and UFOs. And now the government's like, yeah, we got some and crickets. It's weird. Definitely. But like, Hey, listen, um, you can, you know, shout out aliens. I yeah, guess. Shout out aliens. You can either just like, worry about it and worry about what that means for the greater scope of things or just take it in day at, you know, one day at a time because when these aliens come, when our alien overlords come, um, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, they enjoy like the Marvel movies that we make and, uh, they won't necessarily take over right away. Uh, Uh, Dave, before we get into our interview though with this week with uh, this week's guest, as we mentioned, Eric Bischoff, wonderful, our, our new best friend, Eric Bischoff, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, which uh, help help us in bringing the show, you know, free to you guys. We love the support that you guys give to us every single week. Um, you know, it, it doesn't go by the wayside. It's uh, you know, it's awesome. Like we, you know, so I, I mentioned we we did this interview. Um, not an interview. It was just Mortal Kombat talk with our buddy uh, Juanca David, and you know, it was one of those things where he he told us kind of off air, like just these like really like awesome things about how, and we've heard it from other people too, where they're just like, hey, seeing you guys, um, you know, do the Patreon stuff and and do all this supplementary content, like it motivates us to to want to do more, and like anytime I hear that from one of our friends or you know contemporaries who also do like podcasts and stuff, it's always just like hell yeah you know it's it's like a little w um in our book at least and uh yeah you know if it i was so i wanted to just give a shout out to uh, the wonderful patrons of the show i'm of course talking about clifford frazier jesse colvenberg mark villanueva joshua davis ryan mears uh neil flanagan shannon howanick jonathan mayer hot topic joe ryan crossley taffy vivian Oh, who brought me some bubble tea earlier this week and just mm, so good. Shout out, Vivian. Uh, Anthony Torres, Brandon from New Jersey, WH Park, and John Cino. Um, Dave, this week uh, we're talking with Eric Bischoff. Um, you know, as we've mentioned, 
so happy so happy for this interview that it got to happen because we were, we were having like a little bit technical difficulty problems like right yeah. up front and we were we were nervous that we weren't able to get the interview because it never happened never i think the only time there was any sort of technical issues were with nick all this um but i, I think that was on his end more than ours <laughs> it, was, it was definitely more on his end than it was ours because yeah. again the only time the only other time we've had technical difficulties uh but no really fun there's a story i i bring up to eric that i did not for the life of me expect that he would remember and he yeah. remembers it was just so awesome and yeah and again really fun conversation that we have with him uh yeah and also before we get into the interview can i just say something like my first week here at pro wrestling tees um you know i was just getting my feet under me here and ryan you know our boss says hey do you want to take a call from eric bischoff and you know for a lot of people being part of the pro wrestling tees uh, family is like a dream come true. We're, we're all wrestling fans and, and we love dealing with people and talking about wrestling and something like that was such like a, like a bombshell on me. I was like, of course I would like to talk to Eric Bischoff. And then I, I immediately got scared as the phone was ringing. I was like, what am I going to say to this guy? He's a Titan of the industry. He's, he literally has changed the course of wrestling. And, um, my first interaction with him, uh, He's like, hey, Dave, nice to meet you. Give me a minute and tell me about what Dave's all about. And I was flabbergasted, at, one, at how gracious and how nice this guy was. But, you know, just the fact that he would he would take the time to ask me what I was about and, you know, what kind of design I do. Um, it was definitely something I could scratch off the bucket list. Um, like I said, there's not too many people on the planet that took it to Vince McMahon at his own game and knocked him on his ass. And this is one of them. So to be able to interview him now, especially right before he was inducted into the hall of fame was, you know, one of my great pleasures working for pro wrestling tees. Oh, definitely. Like I, I consider myself, you know, much like you lucky in that we've talked to so many people, you know, you be it off mic or off, off, you know, on the mic or off the mic or whatever. We've talked to so many, like just people throughout, wrestling like i i still can't believe sometimes that like we got to sit down with vicky guerrero and and talk to vicky because again it's just like what the like what the fuck or even like eric bischoff like it's just it's crazy to me and so many of these people like i honestly i can honestly you know no no bullshit not just you know putting up a front like all these people have been so wonderful and so nice like i've there's been there was one person that was a little rude and even then it's kind of i don't necessarily blame them but every single other person we've met has been so nice to us and like very you know very just like welcoming as far as just like treating us like that you know like oh what are you about and stuff like that and so it's always just it's it's awesome like it's one of those things where the late nights the long shifts it, it makes it a little bit worth it because like not everyone is as lucky to to get to talk to these kind to these people, you know. At least not in just like, uh, especially too. Like we always a, a big thing that we do is just like, hey, so this is what we talk about. Is that cool? And it's never like any like, oh no, I I, I really want to, I specifically want to talk about yeah. this, that, or the other. They're always just like, yeah, sure, fuck it, you know. Like yeah. we interview. Like I remember interviewing Brody King and like becoming like really good friends with him just solely based yeah. on like hey do you also like comics you know i part of me 
part of me wanted to be like, yo, Eric Bischoff, you watching HBO's Watchmen or what? Um, or like you watching Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, but you know what? We, we've talked about it enough. Let's just let's go ahead and get to this week's interview uh, with the legendary WWE Hall of Famer, uh, Eric Bischoff. Dave, uh, I've only ever been to WrestleMania Access two or three times but the first time that I went, I have a, a specific story that I always bring up because it was just, it was the most random encounter, but it was a pretty fun one. It was uh, myself and some of the other guys from over here at Pro Wrestling Tees. And that, it was, that year it was in Orlando. And we were having such a difficult time just finding like where access actually was because it was in a giant building. So we we're kind of just wandering around. And like occasionally you see people in wrestling t-shirts and you're like, wait, like, uh, where's access? And they'd just be like, oh, just go that way which was never it was never useful they're just right. really vague and just pointing and stuff so as we're walking we encounter uh eric bischoff we're just like oh shit there's eric bischoff we're just like hey eric how's it going and you know he sees some pro wrestling t stuff he's like hey how's it going we kind of just chit chat he's like oh where are you guys going we're like you know what? we're actually looking for access but we can't find it he goes well shit I'm heading there right now. You guys want to just walk with me? And we're like, all right. So we're walking. It's one of those very weird things where you're just like, whoa, this is a random encounter. I didn't picture myself having when, you know, we, we landed in Florida, but Hey, nonetheless, it's happening. So we're walking and everyone is trying to stop Eric for pictures and autographs, you know? And he very politely, he's like, I'm sorry, I got to be at access right now. I got to be at access. And so we're just getting, it feels almost like we're like a police escort because we're just being taken through, you know, and, had it not been for him we probably never would have found this place because again we were so bad with directions so lost and like the the coolest part too was you know he he just flashes his credentials gets right into access we didn't have any we were uh, waiting for one of our buddies one of his friends was uh he's a referee for wwe just walk they let us just walk right in with eric and he's like all right well you know i'm gonna go my way you guys have fun and that story's always stuck out to me because it was just one of the coolest experiences like ever you know um and i again i constantly bring it up um so i'm very happy that we have we have him on this week because um would have never had really had the chance to tell him that story and how awesome of experience that was for us um he just recently got inducted into the wwe hall of fame and i think that's pretty awesome because uh i got like i don't get into wrestling until a little bit later. And he was someone who, as a kid, I was just like, oh, my God. I'm like, this guy, he's such a heel. You know, he was the raw general manager, just always just being such a piece of shit to everyone. And then, you know, I get older and I'm like, oh, this guy's so awesome. You know, reading Controversy Creates Cash's book as well and just following his career. Um, so, hey, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by none other than uh, Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you doing? I am doing great, and believe it or not, I remember that story. Do you? Oh my god! Okay, that like that is a story just again told within like us here at Pro Wrestling Tees that we still work here. Like we, like every now and then, people you know we we just uh, we'll trade stories about like oh yeah, there's I had this one encounter with this you know person within wrestling. I had this one encounter with this person, and that Eric Bischoff story is one that i mean i've told on other shows as well but that just is stuck with us like earlier in the day we told one of the guys who was there we're like hey we're we're recording with eric later and he he was like you got to bring up that story which i was like of course no it was it was a good day it was fun 
yeah um but it's it the one thing that i that you kind of missed this year at least on our end is like there no being any you know wrestling convention i know wrestlemania is happening um we we joked uh, you know we're recording this before wrestlemania and we did joke about we should just do the whole show as if it already happened yeah. but just be very vague about it um but no that was always kind of the one of the fun things is you know seeing all the the stars of the past and stuff at like wrestling at WrestleCon or just like access and stuff. Is that something that, you know, you're really missing out this year? Um, yeah, I'm missing out on the energy of it. You know, look, whether you're watching wrestling on television or you're at a live event, an indie event or a big WWE event uh, or AEW, whatever it may be, or, you know, you go, you know, a big, a giant pay-per-view like WrestleMania, the energy uh, from the fan base, whether it's walking around at conventions or just in the hotel, you know, where, where you've got talent coming in and out and you've got fans are there to see them. The level of energy is so cool that I think anybody that's being honest with themselves miss it. You know, it's different this year. It was different last year. It's getting better this year, but it's not going to be the same. Uh, and hopefully, you know, things are going to get if there is such a thing back to normal, we'll get back to normal or the closest thing to it. And then we'll be able to experience that again. But in the meantime, you know, I don't look at what I don't have. I look at what I do have and I do have a lot to be proud of and, and anxious about, excited about and grateful for. So I'm all good, brother. I mean, speaking of things to be proud of, um, first of all, congratulations on the hall of fame induction. Um, this all must kind of feel a little surreal right now, considering your storied history with the WWE. Um, do you have, what are your feelings uh, considering where you were 30 years ago in, in your relationship to the WWE as compared to right now receiving the hall of fame induction? That's a really great question. And I could probably fill an hour talking about the things that have gone through my mind over the last week or 10 days, probably closer to two weeks now. Um, and, and the closer I get to, to WrestleMania, uh, which as your listeners are hearing this happened, you know, Saturday and Sunday, but for me, as I sit here in Cody, Wyoming, getting ready to jump on a plane in a day or two, um, the anticipation I have is only overshadowed by the amount of time I've been thinking about how ironic it, <laughs> it is that you know, my my relationship with WWE started out as adversarial and got quite ugly <laughs> for a long and in, in, in very interesting period of time. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, I'm part of the team. That in itself was is, is ironic to me and interesting to me. And then to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, I, I often play these games with myself where I go, man, if I wouldn't have made that one decision at that one moment, so many things wouldn't have happened. And as I was, you know, participating in the Hall of Fame activities that I had to be in Tampa for last week, um, and standing next to Vince and, and talking to Vince, it really, really overwhelmed me how cool life is. Because if somebody would have told me back in 1998, you know, while I was, you know, moving into this new house that I'm currently living in now, uh, it was new in 98. It's 22 years old now, but whatever it is, 23. 
But if somebody would have told me when I was standing in my brand new house in 1998 that I built, you know, because of the success that I had creating WCW, and by the way, really taking a chunk out of WWE's ass in the process, <laughs> if somebody would have said to me, hey, you know, in 2021, you're going to be standing next to Vince McMahon and you're going to have a great conversation and you're going to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. I would have thought they were nuts. But that's how life is, man. You never know what the future is going to be. You could never predict that. No one could have ever predicted that. And if anybody would have said it to Vince, he probably would have tore their head off. But here we are. And it just goes to show you, man, you, you just don't burn any bridges. Keep working hard. Do your thing. And you never know what could happen. Well, that, that's part of what I always wondered was, you know, when we first saw you on WWE television, did you ever feel like, uh, at any time the other shoe's about to drop like at least in the early days it, it probably had to feel like some weird trap to get back at you publicly on tv because i mean let's be honest vince has been known to do that from time to time yeah i mean i think he has fun with it yeah. I, I think the the people that live and die you know commentating on wrestling on the internet and now on podcasts <laughs> that live in that kind of world where everything is a conspiracy and everything is very dark and cynical. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't live in that world, man. I, I, I just don't. And I just think that, um, just, I, I think if you just stay optimistic and you work hard, when I first got to WWE, I stayed optimistic and I worked hard. I did my job and I was damn good at it. You know, there was not a lot of people at that time on the mic in a role like mine that could, you know, come anywhere near me other than Paul Heyman probably. And 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 he, and he was better than I was, but that, he, that would be it. So I was good at what I did. I worked hard. I kept a positive attitude. But when I went to WWE, because I had been around the industry for a long time and by that point, and it's not always your talent. And it's not always just how hard you work. Sometimes it's chemistry. And chemistry is not something that you can force. It's either there or it's not. So I was smart. I went there was positive. I, I had no expectations. I didn't really think that I would last more than a year because of the type of character that they were bringing me in as. I, in my opinion, that general manager role and me in it had been played pretty hard for quite a long time. And I just thought, yeah, I'll give this a shot. It'll last a year. You know, and if it would have lasted six months, I still would have been happy and grateful. I never would have guessed it would have lasted three or four years or whatever it was. I don't even can't remember anymore. But I went in with uh, just a positive attitude, a good work ethic, and figured time would take care of itself. It's funny. You mentioned, you know, you being the raw general manager. And, like, I, I talk about it all the time on the show. I I grew up like when the Attitude Era was its hottest, but I don't start watching wrestling till the go home show for uh wrestle for the, the go home smackdown right before wrestlemania 20 and it's only because i see kurt angle and eddie guerrero in some skit or something doing something and i'm like whoa who, like who are these guys um and then you know i find out i'm like wait there's another show besides smackdown and you know that's how i'm introduced to to the character of raw general manager eric bischoff and i had so much like catching up to do because again, I, I knew wrestling was a thing. I had friends who were into it, but it just it wasn't ever really my thing. And so I think the cool thing is like when people get into wrestling, especially nowadays, that there's so much to catch up on. And for me, there it was like there's always like the narrative of like 
you know, WCW, they lost. They went down in flames. And, you know, again, upon doing my own research, it was just like, oh, no, that wasn't the case at all. You know, like, WWE was pretty good at, like, you know, oh, we were the underdogs and we overcame everything. And again, just learning that very much wasn't the case. Um, but it was, like, interesting for me because, again, I, as far as I knew, I'm like, oh, no, this is just, you know, the, the raw general manager and this guy has never done anything else. And then, like, I have friends, you know, who were – fans of you know like wcw hardcore wcw fans and they're just like no 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 and then you know learning about uh wcw and all the stuff you've done and like do you get that a lot now with like younger fans coming up who only know you from uh your role like on wwe and don't necessarily know your wcw stuff or do you feel it's primarily people who you know have been following you since uh wcw well, I, I mean, it, it, to keep everything in context, you know, when fans approach me, um, I mean, I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got neighbors, they call them neighbors out here, but I got people that live in my proximity who probably have never laid eyes on me as long as I've lived here in Wyoming. I mean, it's kind of an isolated, we, we came here to social distance. <laughs> That's why we all live here. So I don't get a lot of that, you know, in the course of just moving around throughout the day. Now, if I go to a convention or an autograph signing of some kind or some other, you know, function where there are a lot of wrestling fans, I, I don't really get too many fans that come up to me and only you know, want to engage and only know me from WWE. I guess it happens sometimes. It hasn't happened often enough for me to remember any one occasion. It's pretty rare. But here's what's really interesting, and it's to your point. Um, I get a lot of fans coming up to me at conventions or signings, wherever. And this is the same whether it's in Europe or Australia or here in the States. It doesn't matter. Um, I get fans coming up to me that are 12, 14, 16 years old. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> you can't. And, and, and by the way, they're handing me merchandise from. Nitro, you know, images from Nitro that they want signed or in, and oftentimes it's WWE material too. But so often I get these 12, 14, 16, 18 year old fans that come up to me and it's all they want to talk about is Nitro. And I'm looking, I'm going to wait a minute, man. You weren't even a filthy thought in your mother and father's head back then. <laughs> what do you, how could you be talking to me about this stuff? And I think it just, it's because of the power of the, the WWE network, uh, which is now, all that content's on Peacock TV. But I think the power of the, the WWE network over the last however many years it's been has introduced a whole new world of really great professional wrestling content that, you know, kids weren't even around to watch it when it first came out, but they still dig it and love it and know its history just like you learned it. And it's really cool and it happens almost all the time. Well, like, I, yeah, because I, like I mentioned, I was a, a big Eddie Guerrero fan and WWE, like the network doesn't come around till I think I'm already like out of high school. So by then, like it, it's easy to like before that it was I would have to find either like a, a DVD or like on the Internet, some sort of like random, you know, like random Eddie Guerrero matches or something like that. But with the network, that was one of the pluses where I could go back and watch like old episodes of Nitro, you know, with, with him and Malenko and like the cruiserweights are, were mostly my thing. So it was like so easy to go back and like watch all that because again, like I, and I've noticed like as of recent, like there has been like a resurgence of 
like WCW fans or a lot of people sort of just like, well, you know, I was always much more of a WCW fan myself, which is like, it's, it's cool to see because like people forget that like, no, they're used to, you know, like specifically now with AEW and NXT, people are just like, isn't this great? Like it's, it's a brand new thing. And it's like, no, there was, there are whole documentaries and podcasts and books dedicated to like, you know, this being a very prominent thing specifically back uh, during the Attitude Era. But no, I, I think, you know, like speaking as someone, again, who dis- who didn't discover you till later, like I think it's cool that like there's people even younger than myself, like I'm, I'm 27 now, but that there's people, you know, 12, 16, 18 years old coming up to you and they're fans of what you did in the Attitude or, you know, during that Attitude Era, like speaks volume to it because I think we all, f- like sometimes we're all, when something is going on, we kind of like lose sight of like, oh, this is, you know, this is an important thing. It's kind of just like, yeah, that happened. But to people, they're just like, no, like, I, you know, the people that went through it, the people that went through it, that I'm pretty you sure. You know what? It's, 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 like, it's, it's the same thing. I'll, I'll give you a, an example. I was driving around out here in Wyoming over the weekend and I was listening to CBS Sports Radio and they have a host on one of their shows in the afternoon by the name of Sean Pendergrass. And Sean Pendergrass, it was talking about all of the great NCAA, you know, Final Four, Sweet 16, you know, tournament games that have happened over the years. And everybody has opinions, which was the best college game, which was the best Final Four, which was the best best finals, which were the best, you know, they go back and forth, as you often hear in, you know, any kind of a sports show. Everybody's got strong opinions about sports, people that live and die by that stuff. And and I'm not and I'm and I am not a college basketball fan. I'm not a professional basketball fan. You know, I'll check it in, I'll check it out during the playoffs when you know when there's stakes and it matters, or certainly in the finals, but throughout the course of the regular season, I probably don't watch forty five seconds of basketball over the course of ten years. But this particular radio show caught my attention because I'm listening to these people talking about these basketball games from the eighties, you know, or in early eighties, mid eighties, late eighties. And they're young people, just like we're talking about with wrestling. These, these guys that were calling into the show with these passionate opinions about the best NCAA basketball, you know, in their eras, and they're talking about eras when they weren't even born, or if they were, they were too young to understand what they were watching. So the same phenomenon that I think is true, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's college basketball, probably the same thing exists in the world of college football and you know, in any professional sport. People hang on to the history. People that love a sport, whether it's basketball, baseball, or, or professional wrestling, you know, you the, the the names, the stories associated with those names and the stories about the era are probably more interesting than the matches themselves. Or in the case of NCAA basketball, as I was listening to, everybody that brought up their favorite game of all time, it was all about the Cinderella story mm-hmm. or the David and Goliath story. You know, it was the story behind the game that that made people remember the game. It wasn't the quality of the, you know, the, the number of free, so it wasn't the free throw percentage. You know what I mean? It was the story behind the game. And the same thing is true in wrestling. That's why you're always going to hear about, you know, little kids will grow up learning. Kids that aren't even born yet. We'll know who The Rock is. We'll know who Ric Flair is. 
we'll know who all of these amazing characters who have been in the industry for so long and have done so much. And a lot of their work is outstanding because it comes with great story and great moments and people like to talk about it and remember it or experience it for the first time if they weren't alive yet. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, I grew up uh, like when I was younger was kind of when Hulkamania was really blossoming. And, you know, we would watch WWF superstars on Saturday and I was always aware of WCW, but, and I, I think this is a lot of people's sentiment. Back then, it was very Southern regional. Like, it, it just seemed uh, like a half step behind WWE's slick programming and, you know, the colorful characters. And, you know, eventually all that cartoonish stuff, as you grow up, kind of falls by the wayside. What I really liked, and when I started taking notice of WCW, was... You know, Hulk Hogan goes over, and then, of course, for a lot of people, some of that explosion happens when the NWO is formed. Um, and I think one of the great things about the NWO was you kind of inserting yourself into that. And, you know, everyone talks about Mr. McMahon as the, as the great uh, authority figure, but you really, you were really masterful. And, you know, for a lack of better words, you were a really good shithead on TV. And so, like, in other in other forms of entertainment... Playing a, a villain role well normally gets you praise from like your peers and fans like that, but oftentimes with wrestling fans, perception is reality, and then they just say, oh, that guy is a jerk in real life. Um, as some of this was starting to heat up and, and you guys were really hitting your stride and really taking it to uh, WWE, did you feel like uh, the character of Eric Bischoff on air was starting to blur a little bit with the real life Eric Bischoff, or were you finding it easy to separate those two at, you know, in, in your public persona? Well, it's a really interesting question and it's, it, it's kind of a complex answer, but I'll do my best to keep it short. Um, my character on television, I intentionally blurred the line mm -hmm. between the real Eric Bischoff and the on-camera character Eric Bischoff. First thing I didn't do was change my name. I was Eric Bischoff playing the character named Eric Bischoff. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I was Eric Bischoff, the president of WCW in real life, who was playing Eric Bischoff, the character, WCW president, on television. And those two characters are completely different. Well, one, one's fictional. Right. Um, but the characteristics of the character and the characteristics of the person are were obviously quite different. But I tried to blend them as often as I could, because it's that gray area. You know, you guys are too young to remember this ad campaign, but I think it was uh, Xerox, you know, or Memorex. Yeah, is it live or is it Memorex? Is it real or is it tape? And they, they, they tried to push that, you know, branding message to try to make people realize that, you know, Memorex audio is so good on tape, it sounds live. Well, I did the same thing with my character. I wanted to keep that line between the character on television and, and who the real guy was. I wanted them as mixed up as I can because that state of confusion, I call it confusion, but that, that's, that level of suspension of disbelief, that's what it really all comes down to. When people see that character on TV and they believe it's real, that's money. As opposed to seeing a character on TV that's where a talent is playing a character, but it doesn't quite ring true. 
they're still entertained by it. They'll still watch it, but they won't be moved by it. They won't get emotional about it. They'll be curious and they'll watch, but they won't be invested to the level they need to be in order for it to really be a success. And I knew that going in, so I intentionally blurred those lines. And it didn't really cause an issue with me. I mean, on a personal level, it certainly didn't. The more people booed me, the more money I knew I'd be making. I was good with it. <laughs> Boo me to death, please. Um, but what I didn't anticipate was once, you know, 96, 97's rolling around, early 98, my character, which I never intended or thought would become as prominent as it was, and I know people listening to this go, he's the full shit, he put himself <laughs> out there, he wrote himself on TV, well, go screw yourself, I don't care what you think. From my point of view, it was it made sense, it added legitimacy to the story, where if the NWO was going to come in and try to take over WCW from Turner Broadcasting, who better to get on their side than the guy who was the president of the company? It just made so much sense to me. I had to do it. And it successfully blurred the lines in a really cool way. It was very believable. It could have actually happened in the, in the minds of some people. So I did it on purpose. What I didn't anticipate, though, was how people in my own company, and I'm not talking about WCW, the people that worked with me, but I'm talking about senior executives in Turner Broadcasting started getting really nervous because they there's a lot of executives who I didn't interface with on a day-to-day basis or at all. In many cases, they were running other divisions of Turner Broadcasting and things like that. But they would still see me on TV and they would go, oh my God, I can't believe Ted is letting this guy run this company. And, and they're, they're basing that on what they're watching on television. And they're forgetting that it's a character. <laughs> so it, it was really interesting. It was just, you know, a study, I guess, in human psychology or lack thereof, I guess, probably a better way to say it. Are there any, like, characters or wrestlers within the world of wrestling now that you feel would have, like, thrived more during your era? You know, like, I mean, I don't know how up-to-date, I imagine pretty up-to-date you keep with, like, current wrestling, but is there, you know, like, a specific character you see, be it, AEW or, uh, you know, any of the other companies that you think, man, I would have made so much money with this guy. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I just, I do watch wrestling. I don't watch it religiously. I don't watch, you know, three or four or five or eight hours of wrestling every week. I, I have a life that requires more of my attention than that. And, and honestly, if, if I, you know, and I've said this before, it's not a secret, but I, I can't watch wrestling like most wrestling fans. Because I, when I watch it, I break it down in my head. And I'm not just breaking down, you know, hurricane rodders and, you know, the high-risk moves and who does. I don't look at it from that perspective. But I'm, I'm looking at the story. I'm looking at the promos to see how they're changing or not changing. I'm looking at the talent and watching them and, and watching to see if they're evolving, especially young talent that are being introduced like on NXT. I'm watching that talent or AEW for that matter. I'm watching that talent and trying to get a sense of their comfort level as a producer. And as a producer, you look at things differently. You, 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 you're connecting things in your own mind that someone who's just a wrestling fan and enjoys losing themselves in two hours of wrestling or four or eight or 10, 
they're watching it for a different reason than I do. So when I watch wrestling, I, I drop in on things that I know I might be interested in and I'll, I'll follow a story or I'll follow an angle or, or a specific talent. Sometimes anything Randy Orton does, I go out of my way to watch. I think he's one of the most fluid. He is, he is fluid is the only word that I can come up with. I, I love Randy Orton's work. I love his work in the ring. I, I really love his work on the mic. I love the way he carries himself. I love the way he creates the connection with the audience, either through the camera, as we've seen over the last 12 months, because there is no crowd, or when you have the opportunity to see him work a live crowd, unbelievable artist. So he's a typical guy that I will go out of my way and skip other things in order to watch. But I've, I, you know, I, I've always loved uh, Dolph Ziggler. And not from a perspective of, man, if he was around, he would have been around when I was doing what I was doing. I could have made, I don't look at things that way. I just look at this character named Dolph Ziggler, who I've been a huge fan of for the last five years. And I'm a fan of his because he reminds me of Kurt Angle in the sense that he could play a vicious, believable, badass, you know, heel or babyface if he had to be. Because he has so much credibility and he, he's a performer. He can act. He can make you believe what he wants you to believe. Or he can be a comedic entertainer as a wrestler. You know, he can, just like Kurt Angle. You could, on, on one Monday, you could have Kurt Angle being the most vicious, believable, frightening, you know, talent in the ring. And the next, you know, week, he could be standing in a locker room wearing a cowboy hat that's six sizes too small for him. <laughs> Uh, singing and playing a banjo, you know, that's amazing talent. That's, that's depth. You know, you hear actors and directors and people that talk about shit. They don't understand, you know, talking about depth or in, in, in professional sports, you know, especially in the NFL or college football, you know, a team's depth. What are they capable of doing? How uh, how, how big of a bag of tricks can, do they have that they can reach into to pull out something fresh? And that's what I look for. So I, I just look at wrestling different than, than other people. And I don't look at it from the perspective of, oh, man, if I would have had that guy back when I was doing that. Because that's all hypothetical mm-hmm. or shit. Is that is that awesome? Because I know you've you've done stuff within uh, the world of, like, TV. Is that also how you approach, like, TV and movies? Because, like... I mean, right now during the pandemic, you, know, you mentioned you're one out in Wyoming, which I we, like, I want to hear about that because Wyoming looks beautiful every time I see it, you know, as portrayed on TV and movies. But like having done stuff within like the television industry, is that also how you approach TV? Or are you able to kind of just sit back and relax and, you know, enjoy a, a Breaking Bad or a Game of Thrones a little bit more? I think it's, you know, as I've gotten older and more interested in maybe the um, more intricate aspects of storytelling and character development. I, I, I really, honestly, I, I watch, when I watch scripted television, uh, like there's a new series that my wife and I just started watching last week and we've already burned through eight episodes called Truth Be Told on Hulu. And we just stumbled across it because it was actually a scripted series about a woman who is a podcaster who started doing one of those, you know, true crime stories and ended up getting involved and began investigating it and 
you know, discover the truth. You know, it was so well done so that I start watching how the story unfolds. You know, you've got eight episodes. What are they going to do in the first, first episode to get me really interested? How are they going to set up the series? You know, and, and during the first act, who, what characters are they establishing? And then what takes those central characters? What motivates them? What were they challenged by? What's going on in the second act to heighten my emotional engagement? And then I like to watch how the third act is structured because now you're going home. You know, mm-hmm. if this is a wrestling match, you're in the last three minutes of a 10 minute match. Now it's time to bring it home. And I love to see how the stories unfold and set up. So I have a tendency to break things down even when I'm watching entertainment. Um, but in a different way, because a, a general entertainment audience is different than a wrestling audience. Wrestling audience is a unique audience, and I think a lot of people fuck up when they don't recognize that. You know, when you get executives who are used to creating, promoting, distributing general entertainment content, there's, that's a, that audience is generally you know, a certain type of an audience, and they have certain expectations. And you know what they are. You've learned through trial and error or research in many cases. You know what stimulates that audience. Well, a wrestling audience is all of those things, but a little bit more or maybe a little bit different. Either one, interchangeable. Their expectations are different. The things that they like about their unique product is different than the things that they like about a good Breaking Bad series, for example. You're not going to watch both of those products and expect the same kind of emotional attachment or engagement. They're different. And I think too often people that don't know anything about the audience who find themselves in the wrestling business, the learning curve can be deadly (laughs) or painful if you survive it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Berto brought up your, your TV production experience I, I always wondered, how did your relationship with Jason Hervey start, and uh, what, what were some of the favorite products you've done to, or projects you've done together uh, as a production company? Uh, well, it's kind of a long story how it started, and my batteries are running low. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to keep it simple. Yeah. I met J- Jason Hervey was associated with WCW before I was. Jason Hervey was the star of The Wonder Years, which is a big hit on ABC back in the 80s, I guess, or early 90s. And um, Turner Broadcasting brought, brought Jason Hervey into Atlanta to help promote the Wonder Years series, which Turner Broadcasting was going to start airing in reruns. So Jason came to, to Atlanta to promote you know, his Wonder Years series in syndication. And while he was there, went to a wrestling event and, you know, Dusty Rose and Terry Funk and, you know, he was hanging with everybody and he loved it because he, his, he grew up, his dad used to take him to the, to, to wrestling events in LA. And that's how Jason got, and then, but, and then, you know, after a couple of weeks of hanging around with wrestlers and, and all in WCW, he, uh, and Missy Hyatt got hooked up. And about that time or shortly afterwards, I came into WCW and we just, you know, we, we became friends or friendly, I should say. And then we sort of kind of became friends. And then one day I had an idea for a kid's uh, television show that I had developed on my own. And I brought it to Jason and said, Hey, you know, you're in LA, you're, you're out there talking to TV executives all the time. What do you think of this? 
And he loved it. And he and I decided to, to become partners then and go pitch that show. And we did to what was then the Fox Children's Network. No longer exists, but it was a part of Fox Broadcasting on Saturday mornings. It aired nothing but children's programming. And we sold it. Uh, it never got made, as often happens in L.A., where you sell a project that somebody decides not to do it for some reason down the road. And that, just through that experience, we decided to keep exploring opportunities together and eventually started a production company. And for probably about six or eight years, we were one of the, not the largest, but we were one of the more active independent television production companies in Hollywood. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask because you, you mentioned, you know, that you started watching um, the show on Hulu, which I am I am happy, like, as a podcast. I don't know how you feel. It's like seeing podcasters become more prominent in, like, TV and, and movies and stuff. Like, I know uh, a few years back, Kevin Smith did a film where uh, the, the whole plot of it is a, a man is a podcaster goes to Canada to try and get this crazy story and through circumstances gets turned into a walrus by Michael Parks. Tusk, yeah, I would recommend. It's very fun. Um, but what are some other things that have you guys been watching? You and your wife been watching a lot of TV again, like during this pandemic. Like Dave and I, you know, as much as we love talking about wrestling, we're we love to talk about uh, movies and, and TV as well. So, kind of just as we wind down here, um, you know, like what are some of the things that uh, have been keeping you guys busy during this pandemic? Because I feel with a lot of people, it's like during the pandemic, it's been like, all right there's that show I kind of set off to the side and said I would eventually watch. And now we're all stuck inside. So now is a good time as any to, to start watching. Uh, yeah, again, my life hasn't been affected by COVID at all. Um, I don't do anything. I, I don't do anything any different. I haven't done anything any differently over the last 12 months than I did in the preceding 12 months. Um, my lifestyle hasn't changed. I haven't been forced to change my, my daily activities in any way. Now, I, every once in a while, you know, when I go into the store, yes, I wear a mask and all that. But in terms of how it's affected my life, it hasn't. So I'm doing the same shit I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> and that means, you know, my wife and I will typically, you know, we don't wind down. You know, she's really busy. I'm still very busy, almost busier now than I've ever been. Uh, I don't travel as much as I used to, but in terms of my schedule on a given on any given day, it's pretty full. And by the time we wind down, it's about eight o'clock, and we'll typically watch one uh, one one thing that we happen to be into. Truth be told, was that thing up until last night when we finished it. Prior to that, it was a series called Killing Eve. Oh, and yeah. on the BBC. Eve, yeah, BBC America, I think, is where that one was. Uh, and there's been many others um, that we, we we really, really have enjoyed. There was another one I, we just finished up recently called Banished. Uh, that was really good because it was a historical drama. Uh, and it was all about uh, a group of criminals, some petty, some more serious, that are shipped out of the UK or out of England you know, back in the day and dumped in Australia. <laughs> and it's part of the history of how Australia became 
so closely aligned with Britain because the British government would bring these prisoners over. They'd establish these camps and prisons and then other, you know, the military would come in. And before you knew it, you know, the UK had a big footprint in Australia. But anyway, it was a very, very interesting series. It was based on some historical fact, at least in some small part. It was a really cool series. Uh, and it's one that we would have never seen had it not been for streaming because it wasn't really good TV. It wasn't traditional mainstream TV, but it was really, really good TV. Eric, thank you so much for taking yeah. time out of your day to talk to us. It's honestly for us a, a, a legit pleasure as you know, you were a big uh, person in the world of wrestling for us growing up. So we're very happy to get, talk, be able to talk to you. And as well, like again, congratulations on, on finally entering that Hall of Fame because it's like you mentioned if if there was any if there's one person who you would have said you know all those years ago this guy's going into the hall of fame there would have been a lot of like yeah i'm i'm sure you know <laughs> right right when right when pigs start flying uh but thank you again eric so much um we know you you know you you have a, a litany of, of stuff you're doing as far as like podcasts and stuff where can people find you online if you know if they want to hear some more of you uh, you can find me every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern at the 83 Weeks podcast, where we get your favorite podcast. You could find me over at adfreeshows.com, along with Arn Anderson, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Kurt Angle now is there. Um, it's, it's, it's Tony Schiavone, if I didn't mention him, I should have. We're getting so many people, it's hard to keep them all straight now, and there's some surprises coming down the pike. So com is a cool place to, to come hang out with me. I do a lot of Zoom interactive chats and things like that with groups and individuals, and I have a blast doing that. I really, really do. Uh, beyond that, man, unless you're at the Silver Dollar Bar in Cody, Wyoming sometime, it's about the only places you'll find me. <laughs> awesome, Eric. Uh, I look forward to uh, having you escort me to uh, another convention one of these days when, when conventions become a thing again. Uh, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you again. Hey, I'll be your escort anytime. Thank you, guys. Talk Thanks. to you soon. Thank you again to the wonderful Eric Bischoff for that. Uh, I very much like – I listen, I don't drink. I, you know, so I wouldn't uh, go get a beer with a guy, um, but I would very much sit in a bar and grill and uh, eat pretzels with him, you know, or some sort of snack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tater tots, you know, something yeah. of the sort. Uh, just very cool guy. And I'm very glad that he remembered that uh, that story of, you know, him him escorting us, you know, to access because. Like that, as soon as he said that, as soon as he said, I remember that. I was like, holy shit, that's so cool. <laughs> well, like, and that is a commonly told story, you know. Like, I have like, yeah. there's like a handful of wrestler stories that I tell, you know. There's like a me and Kenny Omega having lunch with fucking Alicia Silverstone. There's uh, giving uh, Kazuchika Okada a ride and him listening to the Coco soundtrack. Like, there's there's some wrestling stories that I they just always have and I always retell, and that is always one of them. Um, Eric Bischoff, you know, the access story. And I'm, it was so, it was so cool that, that he remembered. Um, so shout out Eric Bischoff, very, very wonderful person. Uh, and yeah, um, it, dude, we're at episode 90. We're almost at episode 100. So for those of you guys who've been following us on this journey, you know, shout out to the drug Zelenis of the world, um, who've been following us from day one. Uh, Clifford Frazier. Clifford Frazier as well. Down. Yeah. Yep. Jesse Kohlenberg. Trevor Outlaw. I love Trevor Outlaw. Uh, you know, he's uh 
he's on a top special he's on top special project right now that uh, i'll tell you about off air but i am uh, we, listen we're i'm pretty sure we're gonna see trevor pop up uh somewhere on tv pretty soon wink wink um but uh yeah we're episode 100 is going to be with uh ceo and founder of pro wrestling tees um ryan barkin which <laughs> i i don't i don't know if when we started this he thought we would get to episode 100 uh because what are the, you know we i we tell the story three things he told us one uh don't ask him for money for equipment right two don't ask him to ask wrestlers to be on the show and three don't ask him to be on the show so of course immediately we started advertising him for episode 100 you know right off the bat and uh yeah we were slowly approaching we're slowly approaching episode 100 basically in two months we'll be there and uh well what's funny is uh i think it was thursday we were sitting in the lunch you know in our break room eating tacos and and ryan who never eats the food that we eat because he says everything we eat is disgusting (laughs) he decided to get tacos with us and he's sitting there and (laughs) you were like hey you know uh uh we're gonna be on episode 90 this week so that means uh 100 is right around the corner and he was like oh shit <laughs> yeah so, like it, it, um, he was he's, like he's terrified <laughs> because ryan just doesn't do interviews he's done jericho's yeah. he's done a chris van vliet show and i think and the he, documentary and and the documentary which again even that like when they were like yeah ryan's doing a documentary it was just like ryan who not ryan barkin right you got to be talking about ryan mears uh yeah. no you're talking about ryan barkin and uh yeah so it's pretty fun where yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to cook up something you know specifically special for that because uh episode 100 it's it's funny too because episode 100 is it's a big milestone it's a big monument but i think like episode 104 would technically be like our two-year anniversary two years. Yep. yeah and we haven't we haven't missed an episode guys and and that's not for for lack of uh trials and tribulations because there have been times where audio has been messed up where schedules have not aligned where we've been in different cities but you know because we love you guys we love doing this like we've worked really hard at putting something out every week for you on a consistent basis and that's actually one of the things colt cabana told us it's like you got to be consistent especially in those first two years so mm-hmm. um it's it's really cool that we're kind of seeing the top of the mountain that we were aiming for and we're, we're not even we're not even at the top yet oh no 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 not not yet you know there's uh there's still so many people to talk to you know yeah. like and that's one of our, one of the things too that i think we enjoy the most is talking to people not just within the world of wrestling like uh you know sometimes i'll i'll be online and i'll find just like a, a like a random person i'm like you know what i i think i want to just talk to this person like you know like there's this one guy on tiktok that i follow who does these like cool dances and i'm like i want to be this guy's friend like i should like i'm gonna tell him to come on the podcast and talk to us about dancing you know or like random things or like even that. steve kostanski the the director of psycho gore man like nothing to do with wrestling at all but these are things that we love and the, the things that we talk about in the shop and we want you to know the things that we love exactly yeah because you know at the end of the day it's like this is the pro wrestling he's podcast and these are a lot of the things that are just talked about here are things that are talked about you know amongst us amongst the staff which oh my god I com- so i completely forgot to mention dave um i'm rich now uh you're rich oh yeah i am into dogecoin um, oh did you write that straight to the moon <laughs> oh, listen i wish i would i wish i would have gotten on this earlier 
Um, <laughs> I, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't like, I, everyone, re- I was just like, wait, I was like, why didn't any of you like pieces of shit tell me about this? And they were like, we all told you, you just said you didn't know, you didn't know what we were talking about. And I'm like, oh yeah, that definitely sounds like me. Um, yeah, listen, I'm the wolf of wall street now. Uh, super stonks, a lot of stonks talk. Uh, I'm in a stonk yeah. group chat with some stonk people from the shop. Um, so yeah, that's fun. You know, like I, I hope I listen this, uh, this PWT cast recording studio, just, it, it needs to get bigger and bigger. So, uh, hopefully that Dogecoin goes up to, you know, 420 or whatever the heck they, they, they wanted to get up to so that we can, uh, you know, we can get on Joe Rogan's level basically. Yeah. You know, we we want to be the, uh, the Joe Rogan of, uh, kind of wrestling slash comic book talk podcasts <laughs> if that makes any sense uh but uh thank you again to everyone who, uh you know who who stuck around and listened to this again if this is your first episode so many fun ones to go back and listen to there's a really fun jericho cruise one which was actually when we were supposed to record with eric bischoff um originally yes. but <laughs> there's never there's never any time to to yeah. record on that with uh yeah one when you're on that boat the Wi-Fi sucks and like you don't know anyone's room number so you can't just call them up and so like we went on there with like a whole list of people and like we couldn't get to half of them because we couldn't figure out how to connect with them but uh, we're going to come prepared this next time yeah this listen this third Jericho cruise if it ever happens yeah. um, I'm excited for it I mean I got to share a room with stupid Michael so that's the one you know that and I might get COVID the, you know the two downfalls of it but i'm vaccinated and you know yeah. michael's an old man so he goes to bed early um but yeah listen a lot, a lot of fun episodes that in our, in our back catalog to go back and listen to as well as you know if you're interested in signing up for the patreon a lot of fun episodes there dave and i we do a power rangers mini series called go go scrump and stank uh and we have our movie review show in uh scrump and stank family video you know it very fun shows and uh, a lot of fun perks if you sign up for those. But uh, for the PWT cast uh, this week, you guys, I've been Scrump. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. We've run out of things to say here at the PWT cast. And so I must bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang, bang.